The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! <laughs> you think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? <laughs> well, I must have not been paying attention. All right, what happened? You can let that run uh, a little bit longer next time. Hey, what happened, huh? Who? What? We're here. All right, we're here. Tom Duggan here on the Paying Attention television podcast, radio podcast. We're going out on uh, iTunes. We're on YouTube. Uh, We're on all kinds of places. So you want to go to the Paying Attention podcast page, and you want to subscribe to that, and you want to go to my YouTube page. Which which camera do I look into, by the way? I don't even know anymore. I just randomly look out. Oh, the one straight ahead. All right. Thank you, uh, Stu. Stu, our fine, fine producer here on the Paying Attention uh, Television Podcast. Uh, We have uh, all kinds of stuff to get to today. I know I was in the middle of saying something, but I've got ADHD, so I forgot what I was saying. Um, We have uh, Fred Meredith here to do news. We've got Lion Dave, Dave uh, Dave O'Brien from the Lawrence Lions Club to chat with us about some stuff. We've got Ira and Kiana with their IQ segment. They're going to be talking about... I'm actually glad that they're here to talk about this because when I saw it, uh, I was like, well, they're going to talk about these Tide Pods. I have no idea what that is, but I've been seeing all these memes on Facebook about Tide Pods and people joking about Tide Pods and eating Tide Pods. I have no idea what any of that means. I was going to explain it all to us with Kiana, uh, but before we get to that, I want to thank our sponsor, Twin Lights Security, uh, Mike Thibodeau and Patrick uh, uh, at Twin Light Security uh, provide my security when I'm out driving around in Lawrence getting shot at. Um, so we want to thank them. And we've got a couple of uh, new sponsors coming in next week. I think BNI is coming in next week. Sweet. Great. Um, great. And, and we're really looking forward to working with BNI. They're a business networking group. They get together at like some friggin' ungodly hour, like <laughs> 7 o'clock in the morning. It's way too early for and you. And they were like, look, we want to buy full page ads. We want to buy ads on your, on your show. Um, you know, but would you join? I'm like, geez, 7 o'clock, man. That's I'm just <laughs> not getting, happening. I'm just getting to bed at like 530. No. And you want me to be there at 7? <laughs> But if they're going to spend money... I'll go for you. Oh, you will, would you I'll do that? You, oh, yeah. God bless no you. No problem. Excellent. All right. So Meredith's going to be my proxy on, <laughs> on the days that I can't make it, which would be like every day. Um, so we want to <laughs> we want to thank them. We want to thank all of our sponsors uh, at, the, at the Valley Patriot. The Valley Patriot newspaper's out. Pick it up. And uh, let's just get right to news, shall we? There's got to be all kinds of stuff going on in the world that I can be snarking about. Oh, there's lots of stuff going on in Excellent. the world. How are you, Tom? I'm doing really tired. Good. Well, that's all right. We'll wake you up here. I need, I need a vacation really bad. As long as you're paying attention. I am paying attention. All right. We start off today with big news out of the city of Lawrence. Lawrence, shocking. Lawrence, shocking. Lawrence Police Chief James Fitzpatrick, excuse me, recently announced that he was stepping down. Fitzpatrick, who's a native of Lawrence, has been a police officer in the city for over two decades, and he served as chief since 2013. Uh, Lawrence Mayor Dan Rivera appointed Captain Roy Vasque as interim chief as the city launches a search for a full-time permanent replacement. Vasque says he fully intends to be a candidate for the position full-time. Now, Tom, you uh, watched the business of the Lawrence Police Department pretty carefully I do. and uh, have had a lot to say about Chief Fitzpatrick in the past. So what do you make about all this? Well, listen, and I know Chief Fitzpatrick thinks that I was picking on him because um, he's a super nice guy. And we all have someone in our life that's a super nice person, but they're also very sensitive and they mm-hmm. take things personal. So um, my criticism was never about Chief Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. My criticism was always about the fact that the mayor had tied his hands and doesn't let him do his job. Right. Right. And the only criticism I ever had of the chief was that he didn't stand up to the mayor and defend his guys. Now, when we had that beheading last year, 
Um, some, some idiot reporter from Boston asked the mayor during a press conference um, that the, the family members of the kid that was beheaded were complaining about the way they'd handled the investigation. Right. And the mayor threw the cops right under the bus immediately because, of course, the press is there, and they're more important than cops to any politician. Yep. Uh, and he threw the cops under the bus and said he was calling for an internal state police investigation into the way the Lawrence cops handled it. Mind you, the Lawrence cops solved this crime less than 24 hours after the body of this beheaded kid was found. Mm-hmm. And Chief Fitzpatrick stood there and didn't defend his guys. And that was like the only criticism in the, in the, since 2013 that he's come on board. My only criticism of him was that he should have defended his guys. The rest of it was just criticism of the fact that the mayor literally ties the police hands. He literally calls off police pursuits. He, 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 he really micromanages like everything in the department from where they put their desks to where they have their lockers. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Um, so I, I, I really feel bad that the chief has res- retired, resigned, however, however you want to say it as chief. Um, I would have preferred that he stay and stand up to the mayor. Yep. But that's not an easy thing to do, especially if you're a nice guy. Yep. Well, so, so, so Lawrence is a city that is having problems with violent crime, problems with drugs, and it's got a police department that uh, the officers haven't had a contract now for several years, yeah, right? Four, four years. Four years. So how does all this change that, or does it? I mean, what do you I, see happening? I don't think it changes the contract situation, because that's really just all up to the mayor. The chief right. has no say in it whatsoever. Yep. Um, the real problem is he doesn't want to pay the cops because they haven't had a contract for four years, so if he settles the, their contract tomorrow, he's got to give them four years back pay at the new rate. Yep. And that's a lump sum payment that he doesn't want to pay. Now, mind you, when they, when they do the budget, when the city council and the mayor do the budget, that money is allocated. Mm-hmm. But since they're not working on a new contract, that money got spent on other things. Right. It's gone. And so now if yeah. he wants to pay them and settle their contract, he's going to take that money from somewhere else. Yep. And that's why, you know, I don't understand why any community, much less the city of Lawrence, no less, uh, wouldn't want to pay their cops and, and, and give them their contract. You I think, get, right? I mean, yeah. these, these guys get shot at every day. They get stabbed. Um, they're dealing with domestic violence, the homeless issue, the fentanyl yeah. problem, the fentanyl labs. They're the heroes. They're heroes. And, yeah. and then the mayor's just like, uh, you know, I think it's more important to have bongo lessons. Let's do a community <laughs> development block grant for Dominican bongo lessons, because that's real friggin' important. <laughs> And I just shake my head like, you know, it's just a matter of priority, you know, and you can always tell what someone's priority is by what they do, not what they say. Right. I'm going to talk about that a little in my rant, too, right. later on. Meredith? So speaking of Lawrence Police, we have an update on the murder of a man found inside a motor vehicle on Reservoir Street in Lawrence on New Year's Eve. According to the Valley Patriot, Lawrence Police and Mass State Police Violent Fugitive Apprehension Team have arrested 49-year-old Jose Urena of Lawrence for the murder of Jeffrey Santana Paguero. According to Lawrence Police, the suspect is a dangerous individual. He was scheduled to be arraigned at Lawrence District Court this morning. So you were actually at the scene, Tom, and I was watching I that was. video of you driving out on the dark road on the edge of my seat. What is that like being out there with the police right after it's, something like it's, that? It's uh, well, it depends. You know, sometimes it's you don't even think about it because yeah. I do it, I do it a lot. Right. Uh, I don't even think about it. And then you know, there were times like the night that I get shot at where you think about it a lot. Right. Um, the night of that murder, um, we got there just like seconds before they blocked off the road. Yeah. And it's on Reservoir Street near the uh, Bellevue Cemetery. But I know the Bellevue Cemetery like the back of my hand. Um, so I I went into the cemetery and drove around all the little back roads and actually found a spot at 
at the cemetery to get the greatest video ever <laughs> of the cops with the bullet riddled car and with the flashlights and everything. Um, and they actually thought at one point that like I was a bad guy. Like they saw some somebody up there pointing something at them oh, and they all yeah. freaked out. So the only time I really get nervous is when the cops don't realize who I am because right. I'm kind of far away. Uh, you can very easily get shot when they think your camera might be a gun. Right. Um, so I get nervous about that. I get nervous when I'm driving through alleyways. We, I drive through a lot of alleyways when I'm when I'm chasing police calls because it's easier to get places. Um, and that's where a lot of shootings and a lot of uh, drug deals go on in the alleyways. So I get a little nervous. But I've got Mike, Mike Thibodeau, my, uh, my security guy in Twin Light Security. Yep. Um, we had somebody following us around Sunday night. Wow. Um, you know, had no, and I, I, I was taking all kinds of alleys and left. I went up a one way the wrong way and they were still behind me. Um, so at one point we just pulled over where the chimney truck is over at the Common where there's like a ton of people getting yeah. tacos. And I got the plate number and, and we took care of it that oh way. Wow. I like to take care of things off book when stuff like like that happens. I don't Good post. Way to do it. I don't. I don't like to post on Facebook what I did with the pl- with the plate number or right. who visited who or what right. what was going on. Right. I prefer just things to kind of be quiet behind the scenes when it comes to stuff like that. Absolutely. But, yeah. Well, Tom, we're going to turn now to the state of New Hampshire, where local officials report that there's been a decrease in the number of drug overdose incidents during 2017. A decrease. A decrease in incidents, but an increase in the number of deaths from you drugs know, like Joe heroin, Solomon fentanyl, said that. and prescription opioids. Joe Solomon said that two weeks he ago. He did. He did, right here on the show. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, in fact, Tom, right here in the town of Salem, New Hampshire, where we're filming today, officials reported that they had the highest number of overdose deaths for any year, for any year, since wow. they started keeping track of the number of fatalities. Now, this news comes just weeks after, as you remember, New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu pointedly singled out the city of Lawrence, Massachusetts as the source for many of the drugs that are plaguing the streets of New Hampshire. Yeah. And he vowed to take action, even a means crossing over state lines. Yeah, has he done that yet? Not that I know of. See, I'm, but a, I'm, a, I'm a doing kind of guy. Yeah. I don't want to hear that you're going to do something. Do it and then tell me. Right. Maybe um, we wouldn't have heard about it. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I want to see Chris Sununu and I want to see the governor of Maine and the governor of Vermont send every flipping law enforcement officer that they have into the city of Lawrence to help the Lawrence cop clean up Clean, drain the swamp and clean up the mess. Mm-hmm. The fentanyl labs are all over the city of Lawrence. The, the, the fentanyl is being produced in Lawrence and how we know, we talked about it on other shows, uh, when, the, when the, uh, the DEA and ICE did that big fentanyl raid in, in June, we were the only ones that were there because right. someone tipped us off. Uh, they held a press conference afterwards where they said, and my numbers might be like $10 off, but I'm pretty close. It's like 400 to $450 for a finger of heroin in Lawrence. You buy it in Lawrence for four fifty or four hundred dollars. You go up to Manchester, New Hampshire, it's eight hundred dollars. Wow. You go up to Algonquin, Maine, it's twelve hundred dollars. Wow. Wow. So we know through capitalism that things are cheaper where they are more plentiful. Right. Right. And so we know just from those numbers that the fentanyl labs are in Lawrence. Right. We know that the drugs are being packaged and, and, and distributed out of the city of Lawrence. For officials to deny that and to pretend that, oh, you're picking on us because we have brown skin really betrays the people of Lawrence who are the good people of Lawrence who have to deal with this shit every single day. Mm-hmm. The shootings in their neighborhood, afraid to let their kids go to the park because of needles. Those are the people being betrayed when people like Dan Rivera and city councilors cry and whine about people pointing out the problem. Right. Okay. The city of Boston got some good news today when online retail giant Amazon announced the city is on its top 20 list of places to locate its second headquarters. Amazon officials announced they received about 200 applications for relocation sites from cities across North America. Boston joins New York, Washington, and Dallas on a list of places making Amazon Amazon shortlist. Amazon says it plans to invest $5 billion in the new headquarters and that the process could result in more than 50,000 new jobs being created locally. A final decision is expected sometimes next year. 
It's a little unclear if Amazon's singling out just the city of Boston and not greater Boston. If so, that's bad news for officials in Haverhill and North Andover who had hoped the retailer might choose a Merrimack Valley site for its new Yeah, I was, hoping, I was hoping for North Andover because I, my book is on Amazon, Heroes in Our Midst, from the pages right. of the Valley Patriot. Absolutely. And if the, and if the, and if the, the shipping place is in North Andover, you get your book sooner. Yeah, right. 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 I, I'm shooting for North Andover just for that alone. <laughs> there you go. Send one of those drones over with it. Right. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The yep. dr- and the, by the way, the drone's going to be up in the next couple of days. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Tom, uh, final story today, and we just want to sort of start a new segment here on paying attention. What we want to do, uh, Meredith and I work in real estate, uh, mm-hmm. in addition to several other Very ventures. exciting topic lately. Very exciting yeah. topic. So we Sellers figured market, we give people, right? It is, and we're going to tell you, tell you a little bit about that. Please we figured do. we give people a little bit of a market update. Um, so if you look at Essex County, Massachusetts right now, there are 161 single-family homes that have been sold so far this year. Now, we're only a couple of weeks into the year, but the average price of those properties was just over $527,000. Now, those numbers show a significant slowdown from the same period just a year ago, because back then there were 219 sales, but the average sales price was lower, $495,000. So that could mean that the real estate market is starting to tighten up a little bit. Now, is that good or bad? I mean, if... Well, so it's good if you're a seller. It's tough if you're a buyer. So... One of the signs of that is that right now there aren't as many homes for sale as we might expect or as we might need. Right, uh, A year ago, we had 793 active listings in Essex County, houses for sale. Right now, 694, so 100 fewer houses out there to choose from. So if you're a buyer, it could be a little bit difficult, but if you're a seller, it's a great time to sell. Great. Now, what, so. what will it take to make it a buyer's market? It's better when it's a buyer's market, it's right? better when it's a buyer's market. So what, 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 what has to happen in the economy? Because I don't know anything about real estate. Yeah. What, what has to happen in the economy for it to go from a seller's market to a buyer's? Is it more money in construction? Is it it, it could be it? that. It could be a number of different factors. You know, basically more money in people's pockets. One of the difficult things right now for buyers is interest rates have been creeping up in the mortgage market, and that's expected to continue in 2018. So we're not exactly sure what that's going to mean for buyers. But for buyers, what they really need right now is inventory. They need houses out there to buy because there's not enough to choose from, and you get these buyers competing for the same house all the time, bidding wars and and losing out on properties. So, so what we need is a construction boom, and maybe that's something that our new well, president great. can do. Well, that would be great, but it is tough in Massachusetts because there's not that much available land around downtown Boston, that type of thing. So it's difficult. Yeah, but there's plenty of land in like North Andover. A lot of land, so lots of land up. And I know that Methuen is so overdeveloped at this point. I mean, yeah. they've they've so overdeveloped that it's it's actually starting to become like Lawrence. Yeah. You know, especially like in the Arlington neighborhood and the Lawrence and the Lawrence borders, mm-hmm. uh, North Andover. I mean, uh, Methuen is just importing people at this uh, right. at this point. Right. Um, so those are interesting numbers, and we're going to try to keep track of those week to week here. Uh, and, and we need give a, we, some insight. And we need a, a logo from you guys we with your phone that. number, so we can we can add Excellent. it. So we can add it to oh, the rotation be below. There you go. Um, we, uh, Fred and Meredith run a Lyric uh, Properties, Lyric Consulting. We're happy to have them on board here with us. Glad uh, to be here to do the news. They also, you guys, are now my. Uh, officially my now booking agents. That's right. And uh, they're going to, so if you want to book me for like, uh, you want me to talk to your college class, you want me to do a book signing, uh, you want me to come and talk about police line of duty deaths, uh, voter ID, whatever the topics are that uh, that we're experts at at the Valley Patriot. Uh, Give us a call. Absolutely. Don't call me. Right. Don't call him. Don't no. call, call me. Us. Call Fred right. Meredith. And we'll if find you, him. If you instant message me, I'll give you their number. We'll find you, him. You can call them. Yeah. So, well, thanks so much for the news. Any of you guys have anything else? No, that's it for today. Is there any way we can just have Meredith sit here for the rest of the show? (laughs) No offense taken. (laughs) So you actually don't mind that I flirt with her at all, do you? 
Oh, he does mind. I might not hurt me. He had to think about that. He had to look to her to see if it was okay uh, to answer right, that yeah. question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we got uh, Ira and Keanu are going to talk about Tide Pods, I guess. Uh, we have Lion Dave, Dave O'Brien from the Lawrence Lions Club, and then I've got all kinds of stuff to get to. We're going to talk about racism. We're going to talk about illegal aliens. Uh, we're going to talk about the Lawrence homeless situation. We'll be back after this on Paying Attention. Let's get back to paying attention. And once again, here's your host, Tom Duggan. That's what they tell me. Studio audience, do we get any applause? Do we get anything at all? Yay. Can we always pretend we have people here? Woo-hoo. Very good. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. By the way, anybody that wants to be uh, in the studio audience, we tape at the studio Studio 21, is that what it's called? Studio 21 Podcast Studio Cafe. 21 Podcast Cafe. I'll get it right. I've only been here four weeks, right? <laughs> uh, it's upstairs from Two Guys Smoke Shop. We want to thank Dave. Come down and get a cigar. You know, hang out with Dave. There's a couple places in the back where you can sit down and relax on a couple of couches and, uh, and enjoy your cigar. I'm Tom Duggan. This is the Paying Attention Podcast. I want to thank Fred and Meredith from Lyric Properties, Lyric Consulting. Uh, I know they get all excited when I'm, do- when I'm live on Facebook, and all of a sudden, like, we're in the middle of a police chase, and I'll flip the camera on so all you can see is me, and I'll say, and by the way, don't forget Fred and Meredith at Lyric Properties. <laughs> and they get all excited about that, so I love that. I do that more now just because they told me that. Uh, before we get to Ira and Kiana... I, I'm, I'm waiting for Sean the Barista Yay. to bring me my coffee. Oh, there he is, Sean the Barista. Woo. That's a big cup. How are you doing, Sean? Very well, thank Good. you. Good. Thank, thank you so much for our coffee. It's my pleasure. It is actually, and I'm not just saying this because you're here, because I, I would just be honest if, if it wasn't, this is actually the best coffee I've ever had. Wow. Sean knows how to make my coffee. I like dark roast, and he found this like really awesome blood. What, what, what is it called? What's that? Taster's Choice. It's called what? It's a Gunstock Blend. Gunstock Blend. And, uh, Brazilian coffees. Brazilian coffee and it's gunstock blend. It's it's excellent. So uh, there's a there's actually a coffee shop up here. So if you want to come and hang out in our studio audience, Sean the barista will make you the best coffee you've ever had in your life. 
He needs his own segment. I swear to God, we better. We have to. We have two more, folks. We have two more uh, sponsors coming in next week, which means we, I think, are going to be able to go two hours after that. Wow. Um, and and that being the case, we're going to rework all of this so that the segments. There's more me in between the segments, and then we can have like uh, Sean the barista can have his own little segment, and uh, you know we can have you you know somewhere in between. Um, you guys have been working on what? I've been keep hearing about this Tide Pod thing, and I'm too busy to research silly stuff, silly cultural things. Sure. So I, I didn't really pay much attention to it, but now I get all kinds of memes on my flipping Facebook page. <laughs> They're everywhere, aren't they? And, and I don't even know how to comment on them because I have no friggin' clue what people are talking about. Yeah. So when you said you were going to do a story on this, I'm like, well, first of all, I, why would they do a story on this? But, but the fact that you're doing it at least... If, if for nobody else, it'll it'll educate me, and I'll at least know what the hell all this is all about. That's the main reason we're here is just to educate. Right, you. It's to so, educate and entertain yeah. me. Yeah, is here to look pretty. Yes, I'm, I'm just here to. You, you're, just, you're just here. Yeah, I'm just here. here. I'm just here. <laughs> all right. So, hi everybody. I'm Ira, and I'm Kiana, and together we are the IQ, IQ segment, segment of the Paying Attention, attention show. show. Yay! It's good, right? We're working on it. It's good. <laughs> so today's topic, we're going to focus on a dangerous trend that. Like you had just said, you, you've been seeing everywhere. It's it's on the news, and um, what it is is the Tide Pods Challenge. And um, you want to tell us a little bit? Just sure. About First of all, what is a Tide Pod? Like we were right. just so this is a for tide. those of us who are dumb. Yeah, this don't is know. a Tide Pod. I don't know if we want to get the close up on the the desk cam if we can do that, Stu. Um, so the Tide Pod is basically a a detergent pa- pouch or packet that's filled with liquid and powder, and it is toxic. And what kids are doing is they're they're popping in their mouth on video. But what is it? Is it's it's a it's a laundry detergent. Oh, it's laundry detergent. Yep. Yes. Okay, all right. Yeah. So it's. I uh, thought Tide was making candies or something now, and everybody's talking about it. Well, that's the joke. That's part of it. Yeah. That, that's, oh, okay. That's all all right. I'm behind the curve. That's all right. It's so all right. the thing about um, this Tide Pod challenge is the first time I saw it, uh, and you know, obviously being in social media and spending a lot of time on Facebook and Instagram, the first time I saw it was in a meme, probably last August, including Bleed. It seems that the the meme started with bleach, like how it was funny to drink bleach and, you know, end your life. Well, a suicide joke, Because <laughs> yeah, right? that's, that's hysterical, right? I don't know if you've ever actually seen somebody drink bleach, but it's, like, really not pleasant. Yeah. And then it turned into eating a bowl of cereal of Tide Pods, and you pour some bleach on it, and it says, the best way to start your morning Part of a balanced and breakfast. end it all. Yeah. So, so instead of Cocoa Pebbles, you're eating... Tide Pods. Tide, Tide Pods, I see. So that was the mm. first time I saw it. Um, but nobody's actually doing that, right? That's just memes, right, and stuff. Well, well common sense would say that right. you don't eat a laundry pod, right? But we do have we do have really stupid people in yeah. this country, though, so I can already see where this well, is they, going. They look so delicious, though. Right, They're yeah, colorful and shiny and kind of squishy. You know, it's kind of like that, uh, you know, like, I don't know. Has anybody sued Tide Pods for making something like that <sighs> that looks like it's... Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm upstaging you, I'm, right? I'm sure it's coming soon. I'm sorry. You know, we, don't, we don't talk about that. But. Right, I'll let you guys talk, and then I'll, I'll just stay out of it. All right. The, the thing with the Tide Pods is that it's obviously a chemical. It has a purpose. It, it has a specific reason why we're using it, and... The baseline is that it contains ethanol, which is part of gasoline, and um, hydrogen peroxide, which... You know, it's like for the whitest whites, you know, when yeah. you laundry. And I'm not, that's that's not a, racist. That's not a racist comment. I'm talking right. about clothes here, but, you know, the But along with um, the other poisonous materials in 2017, the CDC reported 10,000 exposures to concentrated laundry packets, and as I had told you, we started seeing So 10,000 idiots put this stuff in their mouth? Yeah, not all the purpose. You know what that's called? Natural selection. That's what yes. that's called. If you're dumb enough... 
If you're dumb enough to put a Tide Pod in, I mean, unless you're a kid, but if, if you're a grown-up and you're dumb enough to put a Tide Pod in your mouth, that's God's way of saying, yeah, we really don't need you around anymore. Well, that's the thing. Out of those 10,000, the first time I saw this meme was back last August. So I'm wondering, was there a surge? How many extra of these numbers actually are factored into people who had started seeing this meme and, you know, might have thought it was funny? So when you when you actually eat one of these, the symptoms can include nausea, vomiting, severe diarrhea, severe respiratory issues and even seizures which ironically is the same thing you do when you drink too much Jaeger. So, you know, that's that's something to keep in mind as well. And also people are getting um, burns to their mouth, their esophagus, irreversible damage. Um, So you're seeing an increase in long-term, lifelong medical complications because kids are seeing these videos and these memes and they're chewing on Tide Pods. Yeah, see, I get that, like, we should protect kids from this because, you know, kids are stupid by virtue of being kids, right? They don't know stuff. But grown-ups? I mean, is this got to be all kids that are eating? 94% of of the 10,000 cases were indicated as they were kids under five. So these are kids that just pick them up. So that makes sense. But there is is a significant percentage of of adults with dementia who also think this is old old man candy and and pops in their mouth as well. Now, um, Procter & Gamble, who makes Tide, they've made a big effort to educate consumers. They've updated their packaging to make it harder for kids to um, access them as well. Last night when I was actually at Walmart, um, in the laundry aisle, every single type of concentrated detergent pod is now locked up. In fact, the big containers of Tide pods that hold, you know, 36 to 50 pods actually have the spider alarm system on it. So now you need assistance because this is so rampant and people are doing it so much that you actually have to have an associate come unlock the spider in order for you to purchase it. Maybe we should give these Tide Pods out to the drug dealers in Lawrence. Maybe they'll consume it and help us out a little bit that would, be with great. the natural selection thing. All right. So here's a, here's a picture of the, uh, of the Tide Pods all locked up in plastic. And that is exactly what I saw last night. Yeah. See, so you don't just come to the Paying Attention uh, podcast for entertainment value. We, we try to educate you on a couple things anyway, right? A little bit. Mm-hmm. A little bit. So now YouTube, um, because where this, this fad that's coming out is being seen so often, is now on YouTube in videos because these, what we're calling millennials, and preteens and young teens I are hate now millennials. <laughs> they're taking videos the of them of themselves biting just taking a tide pod biting it and letting it like drip out of their mouth so mm. last night i spent a little bit of time on youtube actually you know which by the way there's a hashtag that's trending this is so popular that there is now a hashtag that says tide pod challenge that you can click on on youtube and you can watch in real time the videos that people are uploading by the second by the moment of them biting into tide pods and in the one hour span that i spent on youtube last night i watched eight thousand videos be uploaded and systematically taken down which means there's somebody sitting on youtube working full time 24 hours a day to look for these videos, to watch it in real time, and work to get them down. Yep. In fact, this, this country is fucking doomed. <laughs> say that. So YouTube, actually, in a statement to Fast Company magazine, they, they said YouTube's community guidelines prohibit content that's intended to encourage dangerous activities that have an inherent risk of physical harm. We work to quickly remove flagged videos that violate our policies. So they, they are making an effort, and I think this is going to go a long way to, to you know, stopping this trend, or at least cutting it back. You know, I think maybe they could, instead of doing all that, like there's always a much more simpler solution than what society comes up with. How about just don't make them look like candy? Duh. Yeah. Like, you 
know, just make it look like a white powder. Make it look like something that doesn't look like something a kid or a person with dementia is going to want to eat. How about just that? How about don't put it in a plastic, uh, in, a, in a plastic thing that's see-through, and put it in something that's not see-through, so it doesn't look like. How is this hard? I. It also smells delicious. Mm. <laughs> yeah, check, check it out, Tom. Yeah, smell yeah. it. Yeah, oh, gee, thanks. Yeah, just give it a little yeah. squeeze near your mouth. It's, it's awesome. I can't smell it at all. You know, well, I'm a oh, smoker, though, so that's that's not... Yeah. Although we think that, that's, that it's so going it's actually, to go a long So it's actually way. a liquid. It's a liquid. It is a liquid. Oh, see, it's I didn't a, realize it was a liquid. I thought it was like a, almost like a, like a gel. Like a, no, like it's a, a concentrated salt. liquid. No kidding. See, I can't... Well, actually, now I can smell it, yeah. Yeah, no, it's not bad. So they should make it like cherry flavor, vanilla flavor, you know, just so when people are eating them, at least it tastes good. Before, before you burn your esophagus, right. let's have a little strawberry flavor running right. through. So let's review some of those internet memes that we talked about, that you talked about earlier, that have uh, appeared recently to mock this dangerous trend. That's right. So in this first one, we have a police officer kind of, you know, referring back to the, you know, the D.A.R.E. program, an officer telling kids in school in 2008, don't smoke crack. And in crack two, is whack. Quack no. is, <laughs> and in 2018, now it's don't eat Tide Pods. Right, because it worked so well for the crack, right? Oh yeah. Yes. I mean, cops have dare cops have been telling kids don't smoke weed, don't take drugs, don't drink and drive, and that's worked out so well, yeah. right? I heard, I heard McGruff, the crime dog, actually OD'd last month. Did he really? Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, you know, it's that it's true. friggin' fentanyl, man. It's true. <laughs> you know what it is. So we're going to take a look at the next one, which um, maybe we're segueing into the next crazy trend is. One, it's a picture of underneath a car, and it says, kids out here eating Tide Pods, but they don't realize that their cars leak Mountain Dew, which is actually antifreeze in the picture. Right. Is that the next one? We're going to start cutting lines with Mountain Dew under the car. I know you've got to be careful that you don't let your dog eat the, uh, drink the, uh, the antifreeze. Yeah, or chocolate milk. Chocolate milk. Yeah, yeah. that'd be good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the next one is a mock-up of a Hot Pockets package with uh, Tide Pods as the filling. They're calling it the Forbidden Fruit. Hot Pockets. Right. <laughs> And the final one, which we just think is great, it's a simple fix to the problem of eating Tide Pods. The Tide Pod now says contains gluten. <laughs> which will definitely so you get people to not eat it. That's yeah. good. I like yeah. that. Gluten-free Gluten since Thank you, Fred and Meredith. Thank you, Janet. So, um... Obviously, you, you've had a couple of things that you've said in here, but you know, any comments as to like what you think? I think about the whole I think the whole thing is the most retarded thing I've ever heard in my life. But I do understand you, you have kids and you have people with dementia who are going to eat things that look like food. And if you're making something that's not food and you know that, like the Tide Company or whoever it is that makes it Procter & Gamble, yep. it just seems to me like they ought, to be able to, they ought to be able to package it in a way so that it doesn't have that effect. It doesn't look like candy. It doesn't look like food. Um, I don't know. I, I, I can't even believe this whole... I can't even believe this is a thing. Like, what, we're even talking about it. covering yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's been on ABC and CNN right. and all the local news stations as well, because it's so huge right now. Million, tens of millions of views. And I hear Tide Pods. My eyes just glaze over, and I go looking for some. I go looking for, like, Donald Trump or something. I go yeah. looking for something I, I understand. <laughs> I speak Trump, so I go looking for that. And already this year, Time has actually done a report, so it's so relevant that Time is already coming out with something. And it says that there have already been 39 reported cases, which... After speaking, me and Ira, 39 seems really, really you low. You see 8,000 videos the last night. Right. Yeah. Just the videos I saw last night. So 39 reported cases of teenagers misusing the laundry deter- detergent pods 
by the American Association of Poison Control Centers. So that doesn't sound like a lot at first glance, but when you look at the fact that there were only 39 cases in 2016 and there were 53 in 2017, you're saying, wow, this is only the first couple of weeks. You've got to be kidding me. Right. Yeah. And then finally, we're seeing celebrities, athletes, role models winging in on this crazy topic. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just to remind kids, you know, just say no. So let's roll that clip. Gronk says, do not do eat. Do not eat. Unbelievable. Yeah. So Gronk, if Gronk says so, you know, you know it must be, must be true. Can I, can I ask a silly question? Sure. What's a Gronk? I think it's an extra chromosome. I'm not sure, but, right. but we need Sounds him, we, like we need him Sunday for All sure. Right. We okay. do. So remember, kids, for a clean mouth and fresh breath, do, do not, not eat, eat Tide Pods. Very no. good. Yeah, swallow toothpaste. That's instead. your paying attention thought of the day. <laughs> yeah, swallow toothpaste. Don't instead. eat Tide Pods. Yeah. Don't eat yellow snow and don't eat Tide Pods. That's right. Or toothpaste. But that's it for this week's IQ segment. So we're going to turn it back over to you, Tom. All right. Thanks. Listen, I appreciate you guys. Uh, do you know what you're going to talk about next week at all? Can we preview it? Or are you just going to make it? We're going to just make it up no. throughout the week. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Well, that's good. Excellent. I, I really like these reports. Um, I know that I'm getting a lot of emails from people saying, no, we want less segments about like new stuff and more of you just pissing people off. That's just me. Um, that's just but, me. All right. It's just Tyra. Um, but I think it's important that we educate people about some of this stuff. We have people who watch us because of you know my snarky attitude. But we want to educate them along the way, too. So uh, hopefully by the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to go two hours and then we'll really be able to do some. I think we'll be able to do some really good stuff anyways. Sounds great. Thank you. So thank you guys for coming. I appreciate that. Uh, We're going to bring up Lion Dave next after the next commercial. I've got a ton of stuff I'm going to talk about during my rant today. Um, We're watching all of this. All of this. My new girlfriend. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're watching all this stuff about uh, uh, Donald Trump's a racist because of what he said about Haiti. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Um, this just abs- just unbelievably ridiculous. Uh, what what passes for racism today? We'll talk about that after Lion Dave. Dave's from the um, Dave is from the Lawrence Lions Club, and most people don't know what does the Lions Club do? What does the Exchange Club do? What does the Rotary Club do? We have all these social groups that you see the signs on the highway, but most people don't understand what they are, and each week, I want to try and at least educate people as to what those are, because they're great groups, and they do tremendous stuff in the community, and if people knew what those were, I think maybe they'd have a little bit more help. So let's take a very quick break. We'll bring Lion Dave up here, and then I'm going to snark through all of my topics and try and get through. Just a little bite. <laughs> you doing the alphabet there? What's right. that? <laughs>
United Podcast Network, you're paying attention. And once again, here's Tom Duggan. All righty. Settle down. Live from Studio 21 Podcast Cafe here at Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. Hi, I'm Tom Duggan. This is the Paying Attention Podcast. I want to thank Meredith and Fred again. I want to thank Kiana and Ira for their Tide Pod thing that they did. And of course, Sean the Barista, who makes me the most amazing coffee ever. And I'm not just saying that. It really is pretty good. Sitting to my left today is a good friend of mine, Dave O'Brien. He is an accountant by trade, I think, um, but he is also a member of the Lawrence Lions Club. Now, you drive on the highway, you see these signs that say Lions Club, um, Exchange Club, Rotary Club. Most people don't know what these organizations do, and we want to try and educate people as to what some of these organizations do, because they're doing good work. And if more people knew what they did, more people would join and help out, and I think that would make a better community. So we uh, we asked Dave to come in to talk about the Lawrence Lions, what they do, how how did it start? Let's start with that. Like, tell people who you are, what you do, and why you joined the Lions, and we'll go into all the Lions stuff. All right. My name is Dave O'Brien, as you've said. <clears throat> I joined the, the Lions right Club, here. oh, 45 years ago, more or less. And the Lions Club is the world's largest service organization. We are located in about 200 different countries and geographical regions. There are 46,000 clubs and about a million and a half members. Wow, it's a lot of people. Yes, it is. And as I said, it's community service. Most people recognize the Lions by what we do with eyes and work for the blind. We do collect glasses, which are uh, used primarily outside of this country because most states in this country do not allow recycling of eyeglasses. Why, why, why is that, do you think? Uh, because it's a good lobby for the, for the uh, optometrists and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, nothing wrong with the glasses. They get cleaned up. They go to different countries around the world, uh, places like Haiti. And they are reused, and people in those countries are very appreciative of receiving them. Well, it would be nice if some of those countries were nicer to us, considering how nice we are to them. So the, so the, Lions, so, uh, the, the Lawrence Lions Club, I know, um, goes out into the community and does uh, more than just raising money, right? You guys go out in the community and you do, you talk about um, the last two, the last two uh, eye screenings that, that we did and, oh, yeah. and how we, I'm actually a member of the Lions, so let's. Right, look, Tom is a member of the Lawrence Lions, so we, that's full disclosure. Yeah. And I'm actually a member of the Methuen Lions and a, a rebuilding lion for the Lawrence Lions. The Lawrence Lions recently, uh, within the last few months, did an eye screening at the Tarbox School, where we, we screen children with what's called a spot camera. It's a, a camera which, lined up properly, will take a picture of the children's eyes without them even knowing it's been taken. And it very simply tells them whether or not they need further evaluation. Out of the 78 students that were screened, approximately uh, 10 need further evaluation, which is a little above average. 
So you guys do the eye screening, and then if someone comes up with a cataract problem or some kind of an eye problem, it'll detect it, and then you guys do what? We, we inform the students, or, well, the school nurse actually inform the parents of the students that further evaluation of their condition is, is needed. In the in majority of cases, it simply means that they need either eyeglasses for the first time or they need a new prescription. Mm -hmm. There are some cases which are more severe, and as a result, the children get referred to ophthalmologists for further evaluation. So now you guys, um, the Lawrence Lions Club over the last 20 or 30 years, somebody said, we had a Lions meeting yesterday, and somebody said, I think it might have been you, that um, that the Lawrence Lions have donated, what, over a million dollars to INA research? No, no, no. The uh, $111,000 over the last 50 years from the uh, Lawrence Lions to the Massachusetts Lions Eye Research Foundation, which is our... Uh, signature project in Massachusetts. All the money that goes to that foundation is redirected to research hospitals in the Boston area. And all it's allowed to be used for is research, to pay the researchers to do the research. They cannot buy equipment. Uh, it can't be used for buildings, etc. $34 million has been raised by Lions wow. clubs in Massachusetts throughout the state since approximately 1950. Wow. That's amazing. It's yes, amazing sir. stuff. So you know, what made you want to get involved in, in the Lions? Like, I joined the Lions a long time ago, and I could, didn't have time to go to meetings, so I stopped going. And I, I joined not even really knowing what you do. So when uh, Jim Wagner roped me in this time and said, you've got to join the Lions Club, I'm like, I'll join, but you've got to tell me, like, what do you do? Like, what is the Lions? Why am I joining? What is, what is going to be my purpose here? And he said, well, we help, we help uh, kids get eyeglasses, and we do eye screenings, and we, we raise money for eye research. And I thought, wow, this is great. Like this is this is an organization that actually I join tons of groups and I wait five weeks. And if they don't actually go out and do something besides having meetings, I quit. And I joined the Lawrence Lions and I said, you know, if I'm here five or six weeks and you guys aren't doing stuff, I'm going to leave because I, I joined to do stuff. I don't join to have right. meetings. And so they went out and they did uh, Daybreak, Homeless Shelter in Lawrence, uh, the homeless people. Uh, they went down. I think we did somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 or 30 people that day. Correct. Uh, we found, I think, five or six people that, uh, that needed some further follow-up, that need glasses or need some uh, further care. And the Lawrence Lions is now looking for uh, – we went to Tolman Eye Associates, and they were not really as helpful as they have been in the past, sadly to say. Um, so the Lawrence Lions is actually looking for an optometrist or an eyeglass place that we can work with uh, that might, you know, donate their cost or, or you know, donate their, their profit and, you know, we can kick in their cost for uh, getting glasses for poor people that just don't have it. Homeless people, kids in Lawrence, uh, you know, the downtrodden people who need stuff. Right. Right? Yeah. Now, I'll tell you, Tom, as a result of our efforts through Mass Lions Eye Research over the years, when we have a person who needs a very, very intensive eye care solution, uh, we get it. We, we, we contact members of the board, uh, the state board of the Mass Lions Eye Research Foundation, and 
we recently had a student in Methuen who needed a very sensitive surgery. Not only did we get the surgery date moved up, uh, we got the price of the surgery reduced dramatically. Nice. And the student uh, is doing well. Uh, I, I spoke with his mother, and he is doing well, and he is now in college. So That's fantastic. So Lions, for the eye stuff, is, that's only a small portion of what we do. We, we have refocused for the next 100 years. One of, uh, one of our areas will be diabetes because it is something that affects not only your general health, but your eye health substantially. We have a program at our International Foundation, and I know you're not a big fan of the organization being international. Yeah, I, I really don't. I, I, however, I don't, like, I don't like any of our money going to other countries. It's however, just me, but. We have a program called the Measles Initiative, which is funded in part by Lions Club International Foundation. And there are matching grants from the Gates Foundation and, and an organization called Gavi. And as a result, we are vaccinating children all over the world for approximately a dollar a shot. I call it a buck a shot. Measles is the number one killer and the number one cause of blindness in children. And we're talking about children anywhere in the world. Now, in, in countries like the United States, Canada, the European countries, pretty much all of the kids are vaccinated. But in poorer countries, in third world countries and so forth, the kids aren't vaccinated. And that's what this money is primarily used for, to make sure that kids have a shot at actually living a life and not cause blindness by measles. We also wiped out something called river blindness, which was totally unheard of in the United States because it's caused by a, a mosquito that carries a, a particular uh, virus. And we never saw it in the United States, but it's a big problem in places where there were big, big rivers like right. the Amazon and so forth. And we've uh, wiped out most of river blindness in, in South America and a lot of it in, in Africa. Well, that's great. Um, how do people join the, the Lions Club? Not just the Lawrence Lions Club, but how, how, do, they, how do they go about finding out uh, how to join their local? Maybe there's somebody here in Salem, New Hampshire or, or, or in Londonderry. How do they do that? Okay, the, the uh, Lions Club International website has a listing of all the clubs everywhere in the world. Uh, you go on there, you can find the club. You can then find out who the president of the club is and contact them. Uh, anybody who is really interested in joining and, and has trouble with the website or, or finding information, is more than welcome to contact me. I'll be happy to put them in touch with anybody anywhere in the world. All right. And if you want to join the Lawrence Lions Club, you can always get in touch with me. You can send me an email, send me an instant message on Facebook. We'd love to have you in the Lawrence Lions Club. Um, you, but you've got to be someone that's going to do work. If you want to join to have meetings and have lunch, please join another group. Uh, we, we actually get together. I think for every four meetings we have, we go out and we do something. Um, the next one that we're doing, I was talking to uh, our, our fine president, uh, Steve Payne, yesterday, uh, Randy Cox. 
Carter from Veterans Northeast Outreach asked if we could come up there and screen some veterans. So we're getting in touch with the Haverhill Club to make sure they don't think we're stepping on their toes because Veterans Northeast Outreach is in Haverhill. And we'll either partner with them to go do it or we'll just go do it. Right. Right. But we want people who are going to join, who are going to do stuff, who want to come with us when we do eye screenings, when we go out and raise money for, uh, for eye health. Uh, we, we don't want people that just want to join meetings and talk because I'm on a ton of boards and I'm, I just, I personally, I can't handle having meetings without doing stuff. You know, I just, I, I, I can't, I can't stand it. So, um, I joined the Methuen Exchange Club. They do amazing work and I'm going to have someone from there on the program in a subsequent show. Uh, I'm so glad to have Lion Dave. Do you have any parting words for people? I, I just, if you are interested in community service and you don't think that you want to be just involved with eye research or something like that, don't worry about it. We do other things. We do a lot of things for kids in the community. We have a a peace poster contest, which is an international contest for uh, middle school age kids. We have a high school youth speech contest. We have uh, high school clubs called uh, Leo Clubs. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's done by lions. Uh, for instance, my beard, Tom, was actually a community service project for the Wakefield Lions Club because I helped them out at their Santa workshop playing. Santa. He does look like Santa Claus, doesn't he? <laughs> I think he looks like Santa Claus. So anyway, the, that's why I grew the beard right. to do it this year. Now the beard's coming off pretty soon because I can't take it much longer. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool, actually. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, it's kind of 50-50. Some people think so, some people don't, and it's getting to be a bothersome, so it's coming off. But there are all kinds of things. If you want to help people in your community, the Lions Club is a good place to do it, and we're always open to new suggestions about what to do for the community. Well, thank you so much for coming in. We call him Lion Dave. Uh, if you want to find him on Facebook, it's Lion Dave, L-I-O-N Dave. Um, and if you want to just shoot me an instant message or an, e- or an email, you want to give me a call. If you're interested in joining the Lawrence Lions Club or any of the other Lions Clubs, give us a call. We'll, we'll direct you to the right person. They're a great organization. They do a lot of good stuff. And they don't get nearly enough uh, thanks or publicity for what they do, which is why I wanted to have them here on the show. Uh, Dave, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate that. Nice Hopefully you can hang here. around with us for a little while if you I, want. Feel I free to stay if that. you can. If you can't, we understand. And uh, let's take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back. We're going to talk about racism. We're going to talk about Lawrence homeless people. We're going to talk about uh, Martin Luther King. We're going to talk about Donald Trump. A couple of other things here. What else do we have? The government shutdown. Um, The nightmare that is the Walgreens specialty pharmacy. whole bunch of other stuff. We'll be right back on Paying Attention.
How are you? And now back to your host. Here's Tom. I'm on the air. Yep. All right, we're back on the Paying Attention Television Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Uh, I definitely appreciate it. I know our numbers are going up every week, which is good. We started off very slow, and I was a little uh, taken back by that. But uh, the numbers are starting to go get much better, which is excellent. We have a couple more sponsors coming in. I want to thank Twin Lights Security. They provide my security when I'm out uh, driving around Lawrence, going to fires and accidents and shooting calls. Um, they also do private investigations. So if you want to, uh, if you're looking for a private investigator, maybe you're in the middle of a divorce, maybe you run a company and you need, you know, you're, you're suspicious that somebody working for you is stealing from you. Uh, you want to call Twin Lights Security, uh, and if uh, and if you don't get Grab the number off the screen in front of you. I know it's rotating in the front here. Uh, you can always shoot me an instant message on Facebook or an email or a phone call, and I will, uh, I'll direct you to Patrick or to Michael to help you out with that. I uh, also want to thank uh, Meredith and Fred for coming in to do the news, Ira and Kiana for their segment, uh, and, of course, my buddy Lion Dave from the Lawrence Lions Club. Boy, I'll tell you, I, I, I don't know what the hell is going on in this country anymore. I really just don't. Um, President uh, Trump came out, uh, I think it was the day after last week's show, so it was probably Thursday or Friday last week, and was reported to have said, and that's the key is reported to have said, that um, Haiti is a shithole country, and El Salvador is a shithole country, and why are we accepting people from these countries? First... Whenever CNN goes ballistic and Democrats go ballistic about what someone says, you, you've got to know out of the gate that what they're not doing is talking about whether what was said was true or not true. So when Donald Trump comes out, if he said it, uh, if, if Donald Trump comes out and says, yeah, well, Haiti's a shithole country, and everybody's running around going, that's racism, it's racism because there's brown people there. Um, the first question you should ask yourself is, is it, is it true? Google pictures of Haiti. It's pretty true. Google pictures of El Salvador. Again, pretty true. Now, that doesn't mean that all of the people who are from Haiti are bad people. Nobody said that. Um, I know weak-minded people will make that leap because they're weak-minded people. That's what weak-minded people do. They hear something, attach new meaning to it, like Anderson Cooper does on TV every night, and then they rail against the information they attached to it. So while uh, Donald Trump said, you know, why don't we have more people from Norway? You know, yeah, that, that, that could have been a racist comment. I agree with those who wondered if it was a racist comment. But CNN came on and they declared as fact that it was a, quote, racist comment. And, of course, we know today that the definition of racism is not how you treat people, that the definition of racism is no longer uh, denying black people or Spanish people or Asian people a job because of their, their ethnicity. Today, it doesn't really matter what you do for anybody. You could go out and raise money for scholarships for young black children, spend your free time feeding young black homeless people on the street, uh, go out and give awards to black people in the community who do good things. But the minute you say something that makes a, uh, a sissy white liberal who's self-loathing and they hate their whiteness, as soon as you say something that makes them feel queasy, that makes them feel guilty about 400 years of racism and oppression, suddenly everything you did means nothing and you're a racist. Well, I'm here to tell you that we need to have a little bit more pushback on that from people who can think for themselves. 
because the fact is I get called a racist daily on Facebook. And then you get this one idiot on Facebook, Kevin Bowe from Noob Report, comes on and he's um, attacking me on Facebook over the last couple of days that I'm a racist. And so, you know, I, I don't like to brag. I don't. I like to, I like to promote other people. I like to give other people credit for stuff. And, he, and I said to him, uh, so I guess the content of my character doesn't matter. I guess it doesn't matter what I do in the world. I said something that made you feel guilty about being white somehow. And the content of my character completely gets negated. Anything that I've done in my life has completely been negated. And suddenly I'm a racist. And it really made me think a lot about what we call racism today. And what we used to call racism. See, I was raised in a household. I was in a police household. We were raised to believe that you should be colorblind. That you should treat each individual as an individual. Not based on the color of their skin. Good or bad. That you shouldn't think more of someone because of the color of their skin. Or less of someone because of the color of their skin. That you should treat individuals as individuals. And take them as they are. And if they're good to you, be good to them back. That's what I was taught. That's what most of my friends were taught. That's what my family was taught. And people who didn't do that were considered racist. Today, today... Everybody knows me. Anybody who's followed my radio show knows I like to do voices, right? Someone comes on the news, they have a, 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 a unique way of speaking. They have a unique inflection. I mock them. I've been doing it on radio forever. I used to do Colonel Sam Poulton, who, used to own, who owns CAP. Um, you know, he used to have a voice and talk like this and come in, Duggan, why are you picking on Elizabeth Warren? So I'd go on the radio and I'd do his voice yelling at me because that's what I do. But then this Kevin Bow idiot comes along, and I'm only picking on him because he's a representative of all the other weak-minded idiots that are out there who completely discard the fact that we have a Valley Patriot bash every year where we give scholarships to young Latino kids. Completely disregard the fact that we give awards to veterans. In fact, last year, a Latino got that award. Completely disregards the fact that I've recruited, and again, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I just want to put this in context. I recruited Marcos Devers to run for city council. I managed his campaign when he ran for state representative. I've endorsed Nel, uh, uh, Griselle Silva and Nilka Alvarez and Dan Rivera, all of whom who are minorities. I don't know any members of the Klan doing that. And yet, all of that gets pushed aside because I was mocking the way a person was speaking. And because that person happened to be black... That somehow made me a racist. Well, I'm a little tired of it. I'm pretty sure most of the people that I know are pretty tired of it. But most people are afraid to say something because, newsflash, they don't want to be called a racist. I don't care if people call me a racist. I don't. I've been called a racist for the last 30 years. I have all these idiot, weak-minded people come on my Facebook page and say, Duggan's Duggan's a racist because his father was murdered by a Latino. You try and sell that to anybody who's ever met me come to our annual bash every year when we give scholarships to Latino kids. See, I don't know any members of a neo-Nazi party who get together and have meetings and try and figure out how they can help minority kids get to college. I don't know any members of the Klan doing that. So for those of you out there who have knee-jerk reactions to what people say, especially if you're a millennial, if you're a millennial, you've been taught that what makes someone a racist is what they say. And you've been lied to. Because what makes someone a racist is not what they say, it's what they do. And if you have somebody who refuses to hire somebody who's black because they're black, 
That's a racist. If you have somebody who doesn't do that, but says things, tells a joke, says something insensitive, that's not what makes you a racist, Anderson Cooper, you moron. That's not what makes somebody a racist, uh, uh, Don Lemon, you idiot. By accusing people of racism based on what they say, you are completely dismissing real victims of racism. There are real people out there who are really being discriminated based on the color of their skin. And you minimize what they're dealing with when you attack people for what they say. Let's get back to Donald Trump for a minute. Donald Trump spent his life fighting for civil rights. Donald Trump was the first guy to allow Jews to golf at his golf club. He got awards from Jesse Jackson for helping African Americans. But because he says mean things, he must hate, he must hate black people. He must be a racist. And think about, think about the utter stupidity of the claims against Donald Trump. Let's just take Donald Trump as, as the perfect example. On the one hand, he's a secret spy for Vladimir Putin's Russian, uh, communist Russia. Right? He's a communist. He's helping Vladimir Putin. We hear it every day on CNN. We read it in the Globe every day. He, threw the, he, he colluded with the Russians because he's a secret Russian spy and he's a communist. Yet, when Charlottesville happened... Suddenly, he wasn't a communist. Suddenly, he was a right-wing fascist Nazi. Because you can't be both, by the way. You can't be a communist and a Nazi. They're two totally different things. They're, they're opposing things. And yet, in the same sentence, they can call Donald Trump a communist and then call him a fascist. And weak-minded people hear it and repeat it as if it's true. And I think we're bringing our country down now to a place where the hatred of each other in this country is so strong that we don't even want to hear what anybody else has to say. We're looking for that one little thing that they say so we can dismiss them as racists, so that we can dismiss everything that they have to say and we can attack their political views. Race and racism has now been weaponized. It's been weaponized by our colleges. It's been weaponized by CNN and the news media. And it's been weaponized by our public education system. And it's time, I think, for people to start fighting back. Now, I'm a white guy. I have views on racism. Every time we talk about racism on this show or in my newspaper, I get an email from some weak-minded idiot telling me, telling me that because I'm white, I shouldn't have an opinion on this. Well, you know, that's kind of racist. Not for anything. When Kevin Bowe comes on my Facebook page and he starts talking about, quote, Negro slang, I couldn't believe I was watching a white guy on my page use the word Negro to, to, to describe white people. I mean, black people. At the same time, he's calling me a racist. This is what passes for racism today? Come on, people. We have to start treating people as individuals. We have to stop with this 400 years of oppression. I didn't live 400 years ago. I never owned a slave. In fact, it was the, not for anything, but it was the white man that did away with slavery. There's no slavery in England. There's no slavery in America. There's no slavery in Germany. There's no slavery in France. White people have done away with slavery in white-dominated countries. However, still have slaves in Africa. Still have slaves in the Middle East. Still have slaves in Asia. And yet all we hear in America from the American left, all we hear from the Democrat Party is how racist America is. I wish anybody who believed that would go visit another country for five minutes. We are the least racist country on the planet. We did away with slavery. We have civil rights legislation in this country. 
Most other countries don't. And by the way, in this country, at least as of this morning, I got to check the papers every day. We still have free speech. So whether you're white or you're black, you, you are entitled to have an opinion on race. Whether you are Asian or Latino, you're entitled to have an opinion on race. And anyone who judges you, if you're a white person, anybody who judges you based on the fact that you're white and tells you you have no right to have an opinion on race, they're the racists. They're judging you based on the fact that you're white, as Kevin Bow did, self-loathing white man on Facebook. And he thinks he's so brave. He thinks he's on Facebook and he's, he's trying to make all his liberal friends happy. Yeah, I really gave it to Duggan. Yeah, you really gave it to Duggan while you were calling black people Negroes. Good job, racist. Good job. Unbelievable. Um, how much time we got? Where are we on this? Uh, we're a little over. I, I got a couple more topics and, and then we'll bounce out. Um, I'm going to do more of this. I'm going to do more ranting on future shows. Uh, I know that we kind of eat up a lot of time with the segments, and I'm, I'm, I'm listening to your emails. I'm getting them. Um, we are going to try and retool the format of the show as we go. Um, I'm going to try and do this a little bit more. Um, in Lawrence this week, we have a city council that was on the verge of voting no on a multi... How, do you, Rich, do you remember how much the grant is for? $145,000 grant was offered to the city of Lawrence for homeless people. Now, this grant that was offered to homeless people in Lawrence is mostly for transitional housing. So when someone is homeless, uh, they go to maybe like the Daybreak Homeless Shelter or some local homeless shelter, and they can sign up for programs, um, get job training, maybe get help applying for jobs. Uh, I know that the psychological center will help people get haircuts if you've got a job interview. They might even uh, have some clothes that you can wear, some nice clothes that you can wear to go for a job interview. And once you've done that and you've shown that you want to have a better life for yourself, that you don't want to live on the street, that you want to do better, then they have these transitional programs for you. And they try and pair people up and get them roommates. They work with, uh, with landlords to help them get a place to live so they're not on the street bumming people, bumming, you know, for money. And this money will go for transitional housing. So when they try and find, they get a couple of homeless people, they're working with a, 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 a landlord, they got to come up with first and last month's rent. they got to come up with security deposits. Most homeless people don't have that. In fact, no homeless person has that. So this money would go for the landlords to cover their expense for their first and last month's rent and their security. So it's helping the landlord because they're, they're renting out their empty space and they're getting paid, right? And it's helping the homeless person uh, because they've got a roommate to help share with um, you know, electric bills and heating bills and rent. Um, and, and so they try and work them through these programs so that people can get back into society. They can get back on the grid, so to speak. And Lawrence was about to turn this money down. And we came in last week and we eviscerated them. And uh, a number of people in the community called City Council President Kendrys Vasquez, who said he was voting no, um, and just eviscerated him. And I guess they got a lot of emails and a lot of phone calls. So last night, the Lawrence City Council... Uh, I'm sorry, Tuesday night. I don't sleep, so two days to me is still yesterday. Um, the Lawrence City Council voted unanimously to accept this money. And the reason this is important, now look, I'm a right-wing Tea Party conservative guy. I'm not for spending money on this kind of stuff unless we know it works and it's going to actually help people. But we find out that how these grants work is that if Lawrence accepts this grant, 
the Daybreak Homeless Shelter, the Psychological Center, all the organizations in Lawrence now become eligible for more grants. They now become eligible for other stuff because they accepted the housing grant. So there might be a laundry grant to help homeless people when they're in a homeless shelter to get their laundry done. Uh, there may be a, a, a job training grant that Lawrence will, uh, will, will qualify for. So I want to congratulate the Lawrence City Council for doing the right thing, although I think they did it because of public pressure. They still did the right thing. They deserve, uh, they deserve congratulations. Um, Lawrence has a really bad homeless problem. And you've got people, there's 100 people walking the streets of Lawrence right now while we're talking who are bumming a cigarette off somebody, who are hanging around outside a coffee shop or a 24-hour mini-mart and begging for money from people and making it an unsafe situation. I don't want to see it. I drive through the city. I don't want to see it. I understand they're homeless. But I don't want them creating unsafe situations in my city either. And I don't even live in Lawrence anymore, but I still consider it my city. We need more programs for the homeless. But one of the problems that we have with the homeless in Lawrence is that there are a number of homeless people who aren't from Lawrence in Lawrence. And why is that? Because if you live in Methuen, and by the way, Methuen, I'm going to be coming to your next city council meeting to speak. You can count on that, Jen Canan. I will be there. Because if you live in Methuen or North Andover, let's say you own a million-dollar home, and your wife throws you out and you've got nowhere to go, and you spent thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes over your lifetime in that community. Does North Andover or Methuen have services for their own citizens that become homeless? They don't. So if you live in North Andover and your wife throws you out and you have to get a lawyer and fight to maybe try and get your property back, and you got nowhere to sleep tonight, where do you go? Is there a homeless shelter in North Andover for you to go? If you're a Methuen resident, is there a homeless shelter in Methuen for their citizens? How about Andover on North Reading? Do they have a homeless shelter for their citizens when they become homeless? No, they don't. So what happens to all of those people? They all filter into Lawrence and cause problems. They all filter into Lawrence and seek government services. So I get why the city council was hesitant to accept this grant. They didn't want it to be a magnet for all the homeless people from surrounding communities. But let me ask you this. Like, again, I'm, I'm a right-wing Tea Party guy, right? But these are human beings. So what do you do with them? You just let them freeze? You let them starve? You just close your eyes and say, it's not my problem? What is your problem? Because if you're not spending money on a homeless shelter for these people or a soup kitchen to feed them, they're breaking into your home to find money to do those things. They're stealing your car to get money to do those things. And it just creates an unsafe situation. So A, I'm glad that the city council did what they did. Absolutely thrilled. And I understand their trepidation about it. I think North Andover should have their own homeless shelter. I think Methuen should certainly have their own homeless shelter. I'm aghast that people run for office in North Andover and Methuen on a progressive platform and tout how liberal they are and how much they care about the poor and how much they care about illegal aliens and how much they care about the downtrodden and then do absolutely friggin' nothing for the people who are their citizens when they become homeless or they become hungry or they are in need of some basic service. In a community that's as rich as North Andover and Andover, in a community that's as well off as Methuen is, I think they need to be stepping up to the plate. So yes, at the next town meeting in Andover, I'm going to be speaking. At the next city council meeting in Methuen, I'm going to be speaking. And at the next town meeting in North Andover, I'm going to be speaking. And we're going to be holding these people who call themselves liberal to their own standard. 
and we're going to force them to walk the walk, or we're going to just humiliate them. Because that's, let's face it, what I do best, right? All right. What else do we have? We got. Uh, I think we have one more topic here. Um, it, it's kind of a personal thing. I'm not sure I, 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 I really should talk about it this late in the day. Um, I'm just stunned. I have a, I have a, um, I have a debilitating physical condition, and I need a, um, I need a medication every five weeks. I have to take a self injection. So my medicine didn't show up last week. And I called Walgreens Specialty Pharmacy and said, hey, I didn't get my medication. What's the story? Well, we sent it. It shows that it was delivered. I'm like, yeah, well, it never showed up. So can you please just send me, my, send me another box, send me my medication? Oh, no, no, Mr. Duggan. We first have to do a full investigation to find out where that box went. Well, listen, Walgreens, I shouldn't have to suffer because you screwed up. If you want to go out and you want to do an investigation as to where that box ended up because the FedEx guy left it somewhere in the wrong place, why do I have to wait? Why do I have to be in pain now for the next week or two while you figure out what you did wrong? And they're all like this. All these specialty pharmacies are like this. But I deal with Walgreens, so we're going to talk about Walgreens. So I guess, what I, I, I guess the message that they're telling us all is if Walgreens screws up, Walgreens is not going to replace your medicine until Walgreens figure out what Walgreens did wrong. I'm not sure why I should have to wait for that. That's not my responsibility. And the guy on the phone's telling me, well, Mr. Duggan, it's not my fault that we lost your package. No, you're right. But it's your fucking job to fix it. So how about do that? How about send me my medication and then figure out where the box went? We're not talking about opioids. Uh, I'm not ordering Vicodin. I'm ordering Cassantix. It's a biologic. It's, there's no, there isn't even a black market for it because the medicine's no good if you don't take it within the first 24 hours. It's got to be. It's got to be. Um, it's got to be chilled. It's got to be uh, frozen, right? So this morning I called Walgreens and I got. Well, we're still investigating. Well, good. You do that. And I'm going to start talking about it publicly. I'm going to write about it in my newspaper. And I'm going to hire a lawyer because I'm in pain. I woke up this morning in pain. I woke up yesterday in pain. And the only reason I'm in pain is because Walgreens Specialty Pharmacy thinks it's more important for them to figure out how they fucked up than to give me my medication. Since I posted about this on Facebook, and then I'll wrap up. Since I posted about this on Facebook, I have been inundated with emails from people with horror stories about Walgreens Pharmacy and either getting the wrong medication, not getting the medication on time, um, all kinds of horror stories. I'm going to read every single one of those emails, and every story that I think is worth printing, we're going to write a story about it, because there are people out there, I don't have cancer, I don't have AIDS, what I have is very minor compared to what other people are dealing with in this world, but what if I did? What if I was one of those people that had cancer, or AIDS, or some other really debilitating disease, and they're not going to get their medication until Walgreens figures out how they fucked up? I mean, excuse my French, but... I thought they were in the business to help people. So we're going to talk a little bit more about Walgreens as we go, and we're going to be investigating Walgreens. We're going to be investigating how, how these mail order uh, uh, prescriptions work, how they should work. I'm going to talk to our state reps. Are there, any, uh, are there any violations of state law that they have violated by not giving me my medication? And we're going to put it to them because you know what? If they can do it to me, they can do it to you. And that's how I always look at it. It's always interesting when I find out how people who are not Tom Duggan get treated sometimes. 
Because I get, I, you know, people know who I am. I own a newspaper. A lot of people know me. I'm considered, you know, infamous or famous, whatever you want locally. And so I, I realize that I get treated differently when I call someone and I ask them for something because they know who I am. I own a newspaper. Some people are afraid of me. Some people like me, whatever. But when I find out how people who are not Tom Duggan get treated, when I find out how the average person out there gets treated and it's something like this, it infuriates me. It infuriates me that if it's happening to me, somebody out there who needs their cancer medication is not getting it because Walgreens screwed up. And the corporate's never going to tell you that. CNN is never going to write a story about that because Walgreens is a big, huge, multi-billion dollar corporation who the minute they find out that CNN's thinking about doing a story about that buys a ton of advertising on CNN and kills the story. The same way UMass Lowell bought... Tons of advertising in the Lowell Sun when the Lowell Sun was about to write a story about them covering up rapes at UMass Lowell. That was probably about five years ago. We wrote about that in the Valley Patriot. So as soon as you get to the corporate level, which is why I love that we're doing this here, because nobody can silence me. I'm not at CAP anymore. Colonel Sam can't walk in and say, you can't talk about Elizabeth Warren. She got my kid a job. Well, guess what? Uh, No one's going to tell me what I can and can't say on this program. And we have the freedom here, myself and any guest who comes on, to say what they believe to be true. Because we live in a free country. And you ought to be able to say what you believe to be true, whether you're talking about a multi-billion dollar corporation like Walgreens or you're talking about the president of the United States. Next week, we are going to have, uh, we're going to try and get DJ Deben here. Uh, I know in two weeks, we have uh, Mike Demers is going to come in. There's a big story coming. I'm just going to preview this, and then I'm going to bounce out. Um, there's a big story coming. There's a guy named Mike Demers, from, originally from Lawrence. He lives in Salem, New Hampshire. And he sued Hafner's Oil Company because they overflowed his tanks with like 250 gallons of oil, destroyed his mother's home. The, uh, they hired all kinds of uh, environmental people to come in and look at it. Uh, they supposedly cleaned it up, but didn't do a good job. They've had health problems because of it. They sued and they lost. Mostly they lost because they didn't have enough money to get a really good lawyer. And Hafner's has multi-billion dollar lawyers on their side. So when all of that went away and he lost his case, he started this, um, this public campaign on Twitter to shame Hafner, saying, hey, you might have you won your case, but my mom is still living in a house that smells like oil. How about just do the right thing and come fix it? Uh, the judge says you don't have to, but how about just be a human being and do it? Hafner is suing this kid who, by the way, has zero money, like he's unemployed, right? Hafner's is suing this kid and trying to force him to take down his Facebook pages and his Twitter pages in Hillsborough County. Uh, Hillsborough County uh, Superior Court, next month, the trial begins. I will be there. I will be there. I'm going to have friends from other members of the press there because it's a First Amendment case. Mike Demers has every right to go on Facebook and go on Twitter and harpoon and mock Hafner's and Acadia, who's the insurance company that screwed them over. He has, at the, he has every single right to say, hey, they may have won their case in court. The law may have said that they don't have to come and finish this job that they should finish. But morally speaking, I think they should be human beings and do it and do the right thing. So I'm going to keep putting pressure on them to do it. He's got every right to say it. Every right. And I don't know. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't understand why Hafner's and Acadia, I did some, um, some math. I'm not really good at math because I went to Lawrence High, but I did some math. I used a calculator. 
And come to find out that Acadia Insurance spent twice as much money fighting this case in court than if they had just built this guy a new house. Twice as much money. So it's not even really about the money. It's about screwing people. Acadia Insurance and Hafner's Oil, it's about screwing people. And we're going to have him on the show in two weeks, and then I'm going to show up at his trial. We're going to write a full story about it in the Valley Patriot, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to let you guys know what happened. Um, All right, let's wrap up. We'll do the music. I know we're a little late. I apologize for that. I want to thank Twin Lights Security. They do my security. They're also a um, private investigative service. I want to thank um, John Mulligan at BNI. We certainly appreciate Joe Zingales for all he does for our veterans at Team Zingala Century 21. AM Auto Body. We're going to have Angelo in here at some point talking about stuff. Jeff Deal is going to be a, a guest on the program in a couple of weeks. He's running for Senate in Massachusetts. And then we're going to try and get some uh, New Hampshire people in here, too. Thank you so much for watching. Follow us on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook. Pick up Heroes in Our Midst on Amazon.com. That's our book. And read The Valley Patriot. Thank you, everybody, for coming. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.